Hey Blenders, on this week's episode, Spider-Man 3 has a new title. We play Holly Berry Blend, and Tim Story joins us to talk about Tom and Jerry. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, Blenders, and welcome Welcome to episode number 153 of Real Blend, a podcast that has no way home. Uh, my name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, joined as always. Oh, well, let me get to this week's show. My joke had to do with Spider-Man 3 having a title. Tim Story is going to join us to talk Tom and Jerry, and we were going to play Holly Berry Blend. By we, I mean Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hello, Jake. Mr. O'Connell, how are you, sir? Senor O'Connell. Oh, thank you. I'll take that. South of the border action. If we were uh, recording the show south of the border. And Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kev, how are you, bub? Sean? Uh, a bit of a, an emotional roller coaster yesterday with that Spider-Man title. I I, I sensed a lot of stress on, uh, on your yeah. on your side. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get to that yeah. later in the show. Uh, that is how not to do a, a marketing. Sean, push. Sean used to have a lot more hair before. I, yes, I was not okay. I was honestly not okay with what was happening, and a lot of it has to do with the time the time of the day that it was happening. It was like six thirty Eastern when all of this was happening. Yes, okay, I'll get to it in a second. Um, housekeeping. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, hello, uh, there is a like and a subscribe button down below, so please make sure you hit that. Also, go over to Jake's channel, Jake's Takes, and give him a like and a subscribe um, and a follow. He is going for that silver play button. Uh, and uh, we want to Give make sure me the we... silver button! I would assume if you are listening to us, you follow Jake on YouTube as it is. Um, of course, uh, if you're listening to us on audio, uh, all the places where you get your podcasts, if you want to head over and give us a subscribe, we have 1,200 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We're trying to develop that as well, too. Have you, Blenders, signed up yet for Real Blend Premium? You really should. We do an additional show every single week. It drops on Mondays. It's additional Real Blend content. You can uh, sign up for that for $5 a month at bit.ly backslash real blend premium they're a lot of fun um we always have a good time over there the conversations get a little bit goofy and uh this week we're playing is this, are we doing the two-man movie thing bob gabe two-man movie thing uh the, <laughs> the two film challenge it's totally yes. worth your five dollars a month it with is that, with that two kind film of challenge this this week we're doing actors oh okay yes fun. well it's a fun game and there's a lot of fun stuff going on at the premium so make sure you follow us over there weekly poll all right I don't know a lot about Mortal Kombat. Um, it's a video game. It is. And people got really excited to see a lot of the characters that were available in the trailer. And I think all of us are excited by the fact that it was Red Band and we got to see some of the more violent kills happening. Uh, we are on board for Mortal Kombat when it comes to HBO Max and select theaters in April. So the weekly poll this week was following that amazing Mortal Kombat trailer. What is your favorite video game movie? So, Kev, I'm going to give you the choices. Okay. You could tell me what you think one, but I also would like to know your answer to this. Okay. Your favorite video game, uh, video game movie. The choices we gave were Tomb Raider 2018, which is the Alicia Vikander version, mm -hmm. a Silent Hill, Warcraft, or other. Okay, so the question is for our listeners as to what they think is the best out of the the what we listed there. Correct. Favorite or other favorite. Favorite, right. not best. Their favorite. But then you yes. also want me to answer it personally, too? Yeah. Well, first, tell me what you think the, the voters chose. I think the voters chose what I would think is the answer, which is Tomb Raider. Because Tomb Raider 2018 Correct. was the only, was probably one of the greatest 
video game adaptations I've seen. And the reason why I like that film, if you remember it, it's kind of flew under the radar. No one really talks about it because video game films don't really get, um, they don't get a ton of recognition. But what I liked about that film in particular was it really showed the toughness of the character and kind of like the brutality of the fights and it, it grounded it in such a realism. I remember interviewing Lisa Vikander about it and kind of like, it was cool that you actually heard a character going through the motions of a fight and taking mm. uh, the hits or whatever. And actually it, it it felt like you were watching a realistic video game character in grounded reality, like yeah. really doing things. You know, when she would land on something, she would go, Ugh! Like, like, like it was like, it was real. It wasn't like cartoony. So I always found that to be a really cool video game film that wasn't really uh, given its proper due. So I, I, I trust our listeners enough to know that out of that list, that would be the one that would be the best. They did. They picked that with 38.9%. Other was right behind it with 37.9%. Um, and Gabe, do you remember any of the comments that were down below of the yeah, others? There was a lot of love. Um, I was surprised because I also enjoyed this, but I didn't think it was like it was going to get this overwhelming support. Um, Sonic got a lot of love in the comics. The there comments. are people who are putting on Sonic just for fun. Like I see people on their Twitter timelines all the time saying like I'm gonna watch Sonic tonight because I think funny. it's a really fun movie. I just thought it kind of I figured it didn't get as much love as it deserved. That was yeah. the sort of thing that I thought with it, but I, I was surprised to see all the support. I actually uh, I'm gonna uh, uh, make a change here. I uh, in my mind when you read the poll to me just now, I knew something was missing from it because okay. when I saw the Sonic film, I think I might have said that was the best video game adaptation I've ever seen because. One, it was super fun and like the effects were really cool. And I thought uh, Ben Schwartz was great as Sonic and I loved Jim Carrey and how much he added to the role. So it was funny when you were reading that list. I'm like, wait, well, there's there was one I thought recently yeah. that I loved. Yeah, yeah, so Sonic Resi- would actually be my choice, to be honest, actually. Resident Evil also got a lot of love, which I thought was a was a the first one. Yeah, the, the one first of the best great. kills of all time. Yeah, first lasers. Ones, first one's a great the little laser, the, the little chunks <laughs> of his body like sliding off. Yeah, was nasty. You guys are also sleeping on Silent Hill though, because in terms of like just an actual, genuine, pure adaptation from game to movie, mm-hmm. the Silent Hill movie is a pretty perfect. I adaptation. never saw it. It's great. It, it, is it, it honestly, real? I would argue that more so than any other video game adaptation. And and if someone disagrees with me, please call me out. But I would say it's the most accurate transfer from video game to movie in terms of just look it worked for the video game let's just copy it and do it which, which is always my complaint with video game movies is that they overthink it and try to change things yeah. like it's great in the video game just copy it which is what i what i hope they do for metal yeah. gear solid um because it's my favorite game of all time for silent hill and that's got just, like move feature length like cutscenes in it so oh, it's, <laughs> it's there's plenty of material there for them to make a movie uh, yeah so but yeah silent and oscar hill, isaac it, is play isn't oscar isaac yes i think so yeah playing oh. solid snake Yes. And like, but the thing is, like, it's, it's also a collection of iconic, incredible, amazing villains like Vulcan Raven and Psycho Mantis and Sniper Wolf and, and, and Liquid Snake. So you could, I mean, this cast could shape up to, I mean, Dave Bautista should be Vulcan Raven. Like, that, that should be, that should be easy casting. But, like, if, if, there, there is a potential for this cast to be stacked. Super fascinating because you're not a video game guy and you're super I'm, into this. Oh, I love Metal Gear Solid. Oh, I love Metal Gear Solid. I actually um, once hooked up a VCR to my TV to while and then played the game uh, and then would like stop it when I stop and then like put in a blank tape and recorded the entirety of me playing the game so that I could just watch it like a movie. What? Yeah. You recorded yourself playing a game and then watched yeah. it as a movie. Mm-hmm. He was a streamer 
before there were streamers. I, I had it on VHS. It was a VHS. You with, should have I, I monetized that. People make a lot of money. I'm going to create a website. I'm going to call it MeTube. All right. This week's interview, not video games, but animation. We got a chance to talk to Tim Story, the director of the new Tom and Jerry film that is coming to HBO Max and playing in select theaters. Really great conversation. Really great guy. Um, we got into his process about uh, animation and getting into the history of Tom and Jerry. We talked a bit about how you do live action and animation together. And of course, because he directed two Fantastic Four films, we had to discuss some Marvel stuff and maybe the future of the Fantastic Four. So without further ado, here is Tim Story joining the Real Blend podcast to talk Tom and Jerry and all things Hollywood entertainment. It's a full contact video game, it seems yes. like. My whole house shakes for when my teenager plays it. Unreal. Yeah, it's a bit much. Um, if we didn't start here, uh, I would feel really bad because uh, the first thing you do in this movie speaks so uh, wholly to me. You open up with a tribe called Quest. Uh, and I need to just ask about that creative decision. And it, when it started playing, I was like, okay, we're going to punch out of this pretty soon. But you don't. You keep it going and then you animate to it. Uh, just talk to us about choosing to open up with Tribe. Well, it's funny how this all started. We, I knew I wanted to maybe, you know, coming into New York, I wanted to, we were going to, we knew we were going to intro Tom on the train and just bring him into New York. So you go, okay, well, let's, you know, let's do some sky shots of New York. You got to, if you're going to go into a subway. So we're doing the sky shots and I'm, and we're, then, a, then of course the idea goes, okay, well, how do you intro the fact that we're in a real world with, you know, animated characters? So you're like, oh, you know what? We can have some birds, you know, some pigeons. So then it's like, okay, let's do some pigeons. And then I'm like, okay, well, let's do a song on top of it. And we tried a few other ones, but I put up this one and it just always made me feel good. It always just kind of starts the party. Like who, who doesn't love tribe? Yeah. Not to mention it's New York. So you just kind of go, all right. So now it's making you feel good. And then at some point the pigeons are there. The song's going, and I, I remember saying, wouldn't it be funny if they were rapping, to, if they were lip-syncing the song? And the people around me started laughing, and I said, guys, we gotta, we gotta let them rap the song. Like, why not? And it just, and that's how it evolved. It just kept getting sillier, sillier and more ridiculous. Well, it's you know, Tim, the tone. I loved it. I loved it. I did. Sorry, Kevin. No, no, not at all, not at all. Uh, we, we, uh, we, we all love Tribe, so it was awesome. To, it was awesome to see that. Um, one of the things I do love about your film in particular is when you have animation that looks, or when you have live action mixed with the cartoon animation and it looks this gorgeous, the one eight five ratio to one is is just it, it looks incredible. It's a, it's a larger image. It, it's bigger at home on the TV screen. And I was I was reading. I don't know if this is accurate. The, this is the first time Warner Animation Group has actually done a one eight five ratio um, for a film like this. And I wanted to ask your thoughts on doing it in the one eight five to one ratio and kind of what that ratio means to you, because it is a larger ratio and it kind of gives you a lot more of the image and much more immersive. Sure. Well, here's what's funny about it. We knew there's a couple of things that that made us do this. One, there's that little bit of a wink where we're trying to get closer to what the when you watch the cartoons, what it was. Uh, it was in 60. So it was a we, could, we weren't going to go that far, but I was. there's a little bit of a wink there. There's also the idea that we're going to be in New York. So the wider, you know, the higher the, the frame could be, the better it was going to be for a city that's, you know, vertical as opposed to horizontal. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we knew that at times Tom and Jerry were going to be in the same frame. And we wanted to see more of Tom knowing that Jerry, we were going to, oh. we were, a lot of time we were going to have to put him higher up 
but we just knew that, you know, it's like if you, if I had a movie and I knew I was going to be using a really tall actor and a small actor, if you were, if you were remaking Twins with, uh, with Schwarzenegger and, you know, and DeVito, you want to almost go 16, you know, because you know, at some point they're going to be standing by each other. And that, that frame is going to be funny um, by seeing them both. And so there's a lot of little things that kind of made us go this route. And, um, and as you say, you can, you can just see more. And, um, yeah. and uh, I just wanted to, you know, uh, go forward that way. So there's a few things that kind of, um, yeah, you, you usually know, see like a two, three, decision. five or a two, three, nine. And like, it was sure. just, like, it yeah. was really, it was just, it, 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 yeah. So many of my films are like that. And then even to the point where you sometimes think about, are we going anamorphic and spherical, spherical, and you can get into all of that stuff. But I think with this movie, we just wanted to, I wanted to be sure you saw as much as you could. And, um, and it, and it turned out. You know, Tim, you mentioned uh, earlier about sort of kind of hearkening back to, you know, the watching these cartoons in their original format. And I got to say, Tom and Jerry are just two characters that I just never really wanted to see r rendered in 3D. It made me really happy the first time I, I caught sort of the look of this trailer and realized that we were going to be seeing them still in that traditional 2D format. And I'm sort of curious, was there ever any pushback on that? What, at any point, did anyone ever want to try to make them 3D uh, or, or, or was it always going to be sort of kind of keeping with that traditional look that, that, that we've always grown up with them looking like? Well, what made me say yes to the project is that the script actually said that. It actually really? described 2D um, and we all, and, and I was, a, when I walked in to, to discuss this film, it was kind of to the point where I wouldn't do it any other way. Um, and it's because that decision was so on point and as I got into it with my producer, Chris DeFaria, who comes from the world of animation and then had a lot of other conversations with Framestore, we just got into this idea that if we could recreate what these characters look like. Now, when I say about what they look like, I always use the original Hanna-Barbera shorts. So mm. I never watched anything after 19, I want to even say 61. There was a point when Hanna-Barbera left um, because they were, you know, the, the company was sold and they left. I didn't even want to see anything after that. I only wanted to deal with what they created. And there's a sweet spot around the 50s, you know, the early 50s where, you know, the look was just bam and the, you know, the music all, you know, everybody was just right on point. And um, I always wanted to do that. And the only way to recreate that would be you go, you go do it the way they did it, even to the point where knowing we had to go through a 3D workflow, we still, they even created and it was really interesting how they created this software that simulated hand-drawn lines, where every time if you if you sent that one, you know, uh, say a, a two-second, four-second um, clip through that process, the line would be done. And if you did it again, that same process, it may be a little bit different, you know. And so, and at times we found that the line was a little off. So you have to literally at some point go in and hand-drawn those particular frames. So we tried to bring the hand-drawn element uh, to the process as much as possible, because obviously if we did this hand-drawn, it would have taken us you know, a couple of years to just do the animation. Mm -hmm. but, um, but this way, of course, we, we got the best of both worlds. You had this um, 3D workflow or the CGI workflow, but you had the, uh, the result of it looking like it's hand-drawn. Mm. So I, um, we've seen a couple of examples of animation interacting with live action before. And when I see these films, and especially when I was watching yours, I pay really close attention to the amount of footage you have to get um, in the live action setting to know that later you're going to accommodate animated characters. 
and you end up taking shot selections that you wouldn't normally take uh, in any given situation if you're working with live actors. In particular, you have a mousetrap sequence where your camera is going up and around and in a roller coaster type way. Uh, just talk to me a bit about how drastically it is the way that you change how you block shots and choreograph your camera movements yeah, in a in a collaboration like this. Yeah, and that and that sequence in particular, you know, it, it's really funny how that came about too, is because we knew Tom would always create elaborate things to catch Jerry, and sometimes he'd do do just go get a skillet and hit him. But he would create <laughs> these traps, and we just thought, okay, how do you create like the 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 craziest trap of all? And we even found, and I wish I remembered his name. We found uh, a specialist of these, um, um, uh, I, I want to say the word, right? You might have to go back and research it, but Rue Goldberg, his, the way he did his traps or whatever, oh, yeah, we sure. found a specialist that did that kind of stuff. It, it's really odd that the, you know, the occupation exists, but it does. And it, he helped us design what this would be. And so what we told him is, okay, look, they're in a hotel. So whatever, aside from some wood and this and that, whatever you might find in a hotel you have access to, so create this thing for us. And after we created it, we were actually able to put it in a 3D space and then move the camera around the spot. And what's fun is when you just say, okay, starting from scratch, okay, let's pull back. Now let's spin around here. Okay, let's follow that. Let's do it. And they would render it for you and you would look at it and you would go, oh, it's boring right around this time. So what if we drop down at that moment? You know, that way we can drop down, see this fork in the foreground. And then, then when the iron boom, we'll follow the fork up. And oh, what if it'd be cool if, you know, go back to um, my, my visual effects days where you, you, you know, an action where you like slow down the thing. So, okay, well, let's slow it down at that point because why not? And you just keep coming up with these ideas, you know, if we're on the, the side of the teeth, it's like, no, 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 it's the teeth jarring at us, come right in front of it, have it come right at us. And then, and you just kind of kept doing these things until finally you looked at the sequence and you weren't bored. And, um, and you just had, and you just had fun, you know, keep the steam going, let's go through the steam, let's go. And um, it was really, and, th and those are those kind of sequences when you can, when you, when you have that amount of freedom where, this was concrete, obviously created all CG, that I could be with a camera, I could be anywhere at any point. Even at one point, the start of it, we go through the little hoop with the with the rope that the rope yeah. is on, the little, yeah. like, you know, it's ridiculous, but you know, why not do it, you know, you can't. <laughs> you know, Tim, I've always been really fascinated. You mentioned just now a, a simple uh, moment of like, Tom hitting Jerry with a skillet or something like that. Like, like the idea of like that. And I've always found it interesting because you think about the quote unquote violence that takes place between animated characters and, and, it, and it's done in such a slapstick way that we are, it's acceptable. Like we like when they're playing with each other, but the things they are actually doing to each other would be like really bad in real life, clearly, but we're talking about animated characters. So it's not really thinking about it like that. I think about like the home alone effect where like I would watch home alone and what, McAllister does to Pesci and Stern is really brutal, but it's done it really in a brutal. way. Right, it, it, but it, in a slapstick way. So I wanted to ask you about that idea uh, of why, that, I found that to be interesting in animation throughout the years, even in a film like this, where it's a family film, it's fun, it's it's never over the top to a point where like it, like you feel the brutality of it, but I, I find it interesting um, that there's a level of violence that animation can play with but in a slapstick fun way. And I wanted to ask your opinion on that as a filmmaker. Well, we, luckily to their credit, when I, I originally asked um, Warner Brothers how, you know, 
did they have a problem with the amount of violence that I think in, in success this movie would have to do or have to have? And they said, no, they had no limitations to what we could do. You know, you know, there's certain things you're not going to do. You're not going to, you know, make Is sure. there an R-rated cut of Tom and Jerry out there that we're <laughs> no, going to get one? No, there's not. Release there's not the story cut. cut. Release the story <laughs> cut. <laughs> right. There's a, it'll come out, you know, like, you know, Zack Snyder. It'll come out, you know, in about five years and where we actually killed Jerry. And, but we, you know, we couldn't deal with certain things like, you know, guns and stuff. There's obvious things you weren't going to do, but we never held back on the violence. What I knew I was going to probably have to hold back on is once I started getting into the sound design, you would go back and we, we because they own the, the Tom and Jerry cartoons, we actually had a lot of access to the original fi- uh, footage. And you found that in times they actually use gunshots as some of the, the impact yeah. sounds. And you're like, is that a... Is that a shotgun? Like, so yeah. we, we would sometimes take those sounds and then we would put something on top of it. It might be anything from a, 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 a squeaky toy. It might be any little thing that we can do to kind of just make the sound not so harsh. And we found that by having, you know, having some restraint with the sound, but not with the act, act, action, that mm. we actually found a good little medium where, you know, as we started to show it to families, we didn't get really any any pushback from from parents that this is too violent. So you know, fingers crossed. And so many parents would also, um, you know, the kids would love it, but the parents would, uh, you know, uh, which is great to watch. They'd be on your side, and they would go, "Nope, that's the way they were," and that's what we kind of uh, adhere to, you know. Yeah, I I just always found that interesting. Yeah, I've always found that interesting. There was so. there were like screams and sound effects that you know what once I heard them. They sent me right back to Saturday morning to sit in front of the TV. And I kind of assumed that like you had access to a a database of sounds. We did. You know, what's what's weird is they didn't they didn't um, um, store them in the best way (laughs) because a some of them are mono, you know, or some of them are Mm. are, you know, uh, they're recorded a certain way. And they didn't have them separated because obviously back then they're not thinking, oh, yeah, let's keep them. You know, they kept them for them, you know, if they yeah. wanted to use them over and over again. But once, you know, we're talking once the those movies were once those movies, those shorts were sold, you know, they probably were organized pretty well. If we had made this movie in the 60s, we probably could have gotten most of the sounds easily. But, you know, mm-hmm. 40 years later, you can't find this stuff. So we had to find the best sort possible. But sometimes those sounds had a little clip of other sounds, you know, that were over it because they just didn't mix it separately like that. So we found that we had to go into a lot of cleaning up. But the great thing about doing movies in today's world, the technology of, hey, take out that frequency is so specific that it's amazing what we can get away with. It's, it's, so we did, yeah. so we didn't, you know, you'll hear the screams. We wanted to, I wanted to be sure that wherever possible, some of the original sounds were in this movie. Amazing. Uh, Tim, there are a lot of things that your actors have to do in this film and also in, in previous films that you've been in that I sort of felt like I used to do as a kid. Like when I used to run around in the backyard and pretend that I was running around with, you know, with Tom and Jerry, I used to pretend that I was playing around with, with you know, the, the members of the Fantastic Four. And, and so I've always just sort of been curious, obviously in no way to diminish what it takes to be a director because I could never do it. But at, is there ever at any point that your direction to your actors is like, just remember what you did as a kid and do that because there absolutely yeah look i i sometimes believe the best direction is no direction you know Mm. i i get i there's so much of my work that i do before they walk on set you know an actor can walk into a set and immediately 
they get a vibe for what this is supposed to be, you know, or if, you know, if you don't want an actor to sit down, sometimes you, you put a bunch of books in all the chairs so that they don't have a place to sit down. You know, there's a, there's a lot of direction you can do before an actor walks in. And sometimes um, I, and you know, look, every actor has their own, in, their instrument is, is the way you speak to them is a different type. I've done a lot of ensemble pieces and there's actors that are on the set that want to, talk to you every night about what they're going to do tomorrow morning. There's some actors that they're, they don't become, they're not so trained where you just need to kind of, um, you know, you can, you can almost sometimes tell them to say a line a certain way, which is like a, you know, you don't do with, uh, <laughs> with trained actors, you know? And then there's other actors that don't need anything except where do you want me to be by the time, the, you know, by the time the scene ends, you want me to end up out the door? All right, leave me alone, you know? And, Sometimes you're, if you're able to create all of that and you've had conversations beforehand, you know, as a director, you know, 60%, 70% of our, our work is casting. And when you, when you have great actors, you, you know, look, guys, I, I did Shaft with Sam Jackson. I didn't direct Sam Jackson. You know, <laughs> you, basically, you basically direct everything else. You can direct the, you know, the, the environment. You can direct, you know, um, in, in some cases, other actors. And da, da, da. But Sam Jackson, he knows so much what he wants to do, especially with a character he's played before. Yeah, don't get in the way of that. Just let magic happen and shut up, you know? <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up that, too, because, like, not giving an actor a line reading. Um, but I have to just get into uh, working with Michael Pena to deliver uh, I'm Scooping the Poop. Like, <laughs> I'm Scooping the Poop. There's so <laughs> many lines. He did. And she, she brought the kitty cat to the bar, too. You know, he's just, uh, <laughs> he's such a great actor. And what, what's fun about when you have somebody like Michael and even in Chloe too, that they've done enough drama that when they get an opportunity to be silly, mm. they want to they want to get into it. They want to really and still make it you know still make it a grounded performance, but they really want to get into it. And there's so many things that Michael just did, and you saw him get more and more comfortable. And there's a there's a moment where look, I'm I my best part of the process is editing. So I always know how to get in and out of performances. So I actually give the actors the most freedom to go for it. You know, as long as we stay online of what the storytelling is, I, I give them the, the freedom to do that. And Michael Pena is one of those actors that he, he just gets it. He's so much fun. He's, and he really, you know, he really embraced the silliness of this film. And, but at the same time, gave it a grounded uh, performance that um, is, you know, works well. Is that a Midnight Cowboy homage? Is that an I'm walking here type scene? Yeah, yeah, I'm walking here. I'm walking, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Tim, when you have two leading characters who essentially don't have dialogue, um, I, I wonder, like, what your direction to the other actors in the scene, knowing that those your leading stars aren't going to have, your leading actors aren't going to have, or characters, sorry, aren't going to have uh, speaking moments. So it, it, do you have to direct everybody in an enhanced way so that their dialogue and that their reactions are over the top enough that they're reacting to people who are to characters who aren't speaking? Sure. Um, yes and no. You know, it, depend, it, it depended on the situation. What was really weird about this whole process is that I had to represent Tom and Jerry. And there was a lot of planning that went on before I ever walk onto the set, but I would come on and I would, there's one me directing and saying, guys, here's what I think happens. And, you know, I, you know, I need you to start here and I'd love it if you get here by the time we blah, 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 blah. But then there's also the, so Tom and Jerry are gonna do this. Jerry's gonna jump up here and he's gonna be kind of upset. And then as he's going through it with Tom, 
You need to. And so there's this weird, you know, you're almost like they're, um, you're almost like they're, uh, uh, they're, they're reps or they're, they're parents, <laughs> you know, where you're walking in and say, well, no, they're going to do this. They're just in a trailer. But when they come out, they're going to do this. And I need you to respond to that thing that they're doing. And um, that was the weirdest thing, but also was extremely, um, it was extremely, what's the word for it? There's a creative freedom you have to that, where that if Chloe would say, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to do this. And then I would go, oh, that's a good idea. So if I, and it's just, you're kind of, you know, kind of building off of one another. And I found it, although difficult and although, you know, there's one of those movies you have to make like three times, um, although kind of sometimes sometime frustrating, at the end of the day, it's, it's extremely um, limitless what your creativity can be and yeah. when. And when. You know, Tim, it, I had a meeting, a work meeting earlier uh, before the junket started, and, and I mentioned to, you know, everyone, a lot of people I work with, oh, yeah, I'm doing the, the junket for uh, Tom and Jerry. And a lot of sort of older people who I work with in the meeting start throwing out, oh, man, I like they better include this or they better include things that they grew up with. And then I was like, guys, that, that's I, one, I'm excited you're excited about this movie, but like also keep in mind, like, like the movies for kids, like the movies for a younger audience, so like, like scale back. So what I guess the question is like, what is the balance between like honoring the people and like sort of the nostalgia for, you know, maybe a 40, 50, 60 year old person out there who grew up with these, but then also remembering like, like kids are gonna watch this too. Like, you know, cause how do you, how do you please both of those people at the same time? Here, here's the, the fun thing about it is when you feel like you know something this well, there's kind of two people I really made the movie for. I have a, I have a nine year old boy who was seven when I started the movie and I introduced him. I remember coming home and said, I'm doing Tom and Jerry. And, the look on his face, like, well, what's that? And I was like, oh, shoot, I forgot. You, you don't watch Tommy. <laughs> so I sat him down in front of my computer and showed him like one episode. And he said, well, can you play another one? And, and he watched seven in a row. Wow. So you realize immediately, but then of course, knowing my son well, he's really, you know, you know these kids, they're so, sm so much smarter than we were when we were young. And so you kind of look at him and you go, okay, well, I've got to just keep that in mind. But then the other person I made the movie was for me. You know, like I, I kind of look up and I go, look, I, I grew up on this. I know what made me love it. I know what, I know all the moments that if I could do a Tom and Jerry movie, I would do. And I figured if I could make me enjoy it, if I could make me laugh, then most around my generation um, would love it too. And if I could make my son not, you know, you know, sometimes the judge is, they don't leave the room or they don't, <laughs> if they sit there and watch it, they're interested. And, um, and that's kind of where I went. And, and it's just, some of it is a little bit of roll of the dice, throw it at the wall, see if it, see if it sticks. But it's interesting how much of it was very strategic, very specific on, nope, I wanna use this. And I know it's gonna work because it's worked for 80 years. So let's just do that. Uh, Tim Kevin's right that uh, Tom doesn't speak, Jerry doesn't speak. Uh, in your movie, Tom sings though. Uh, tell me about finding his singing voice and how you chose what you chose. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting. When I went back to the Hanna Barbera's original, my rules. Some people ask me what the rules are. The rules were always anything that they did. You know, mm. even sometimes Tom would break the fourth wall and say a sentence, but he never they never spoke by conversation. So anytime anybody asked me, are they going to speak? I said no. That's not what the originals did, and I don't care what anything else did after the originals. That's mm. not going to happen. Um, and then of course, when it came down to finding his voice. I, at some point was, you know, at first I wanted to think about doing the is you is or is you ain't my baby, the, you know, the song that they did, you know, way <laughs> yeah. back in the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I said, well, no, maybe I should think of something else. And 
you know, there was some at Warner Brothers say, oh, you should find a contemporary song. And I was going, and I looked look for a few of those, but they just, you know, songs are different, you know, in, in, the, in the, 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 the spirit of what this film was. So I found an old Ray Charles song. And I just looked for voices. You know, I looked from everything from Louis Armstrong and just looked for voices that were just really, really interesting to me. And um, I found this Char Ray Charles song. And then it was, okay, what if Tom sings Ray Charles? And then we started thinking about singers and, and T-Pain is one of, just a, you know, I saw a long time ago, I saw uh, something on YouTube or whatever the case may be. And it was T-Pain singing in his normal voice. So not the, not the auto tunes or whatever it is he always puts on his voice. It was just right. him singing in his regular tone and his, he has a beautiful voice. So I just thought, what about T-Pain? And, you know, and the music department was like, well, we could ask him. And T-Pain knew, you know, Tom and Jerry and said yes. And, and that's kind of how it, um, and then of course I wanted to throw the auto tunes on it just because why not? You know, it's just, you know, <laughs> it, once again, it's just being ridiculous and, and not taking it too seriously and just going for it. I loved it, man. You know, Tim, I, I, I love that you have a, a, an amazing music video background. And I, I think about there's some there are a lot of great filmmakers who have, who have worked in music videos. Uh, I always think about Fincher as well. And, 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 oh my and, God, I, yeah. and that's what I wanted to ask you. It's kind of a two part question, but more of like what you still pull from your days as a music video director that you're still utilizing in a film like this. And did you ever cross paths with like a Fincher uh, during those time periods when you guys were working in music videos? Um, just interested to kind of about your time in that in that world. Yeah, like I, you would run into him. We had sometimes the same colorist. We had we shared a lot of the same DPs. So you would run, you know, I, I, even while for a while I was at the same company as like Paul Hunter and F. Gary Gray. And every now and then my, my wife, who was my girlfriend back then, she was a production manager. So she worked for Francis Lawrence and, you know, oh, um, yeah. and also Dave, Dave Myers was at my, my same company. And um, she also worked for, you know, even when, you know, there was a, I knew a lot of people that, even though Michael Bay wasn't doing as many um, videos, you know, back when I was doing videos, you know, you would just run into those same colors. And so you would sometimes run into, I remember I ran into Francis Lawrence and, um, you know, and so you're, you're sometimes drawing from there. And it's really interesting you bring that up because one of the things that I tend to go back to a lot is some of those old videos and, mm. and kind of the techniques we did it because there was a sweet spot with music videos where the director was kind of king and the artists were yeah. just like, do your thing, you know? And if it was a hype Williams or something, you didn't, you didn't ask him what he was going to do. You just let him do his thing. And at some point, um, the curtain got drawn back and, you know, managers became directors and artists wanted to be directors and, and it kind of left that, but I was, it was fun to be in this little sweet spot where you just saw some unbelievable ideas and, yeah. and, and they were, no, they were also spending a million dollars on a music video. Mm -hmm. um, I remember Dave Myers flooded the back lot of, of Universal City to do, I think it was a Creed video and it was just, <laughs> you know, and you just, he's doing underwater photography and you're just like, this is insane. Or F. Gary Gray always did. He did this R. Kelly, R. Kelly video where the whole video was in was backwards. And remember the far side just, video too. That was cool. Yeah, too, the man. far side video where it's God. backwards and they and they calculated. Okay, if you if we run it, you're gonna have to learn the song forward. You're gonna have to learn the song backwards so that we can run it forward. Whatever you know, whatever. It's the tenant. Thing. Yeah, exactly. T exactly. It's making tenant. Um, but understandable. But it's, it's one of those things where, <laughs> but you really figured out a way to, to really take 
you know, these, these concepts and like, and just, so there was a sweet spot with music videos that I grew up in that I could just watch some of the masters, in my opinion, make like um, just incredible material. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, thank you for saying Tim, that. Yeah. Tim, we want to thank you so much for your time. We're going to get you out of here on one more uh, question. We just had a, a lot of fun talking about about this film, and obviously we're going to send all of our people to go check out Tom and Jerry. Um, but I want to thank you for your two Fantastic Four films. Uh, my boys are 17 and 13, so they came around right at the time when I was ready to show them uh, movies about the first family in Marvel, and they connected so beautifully with that material. It was fun this week on WandaVision, uh, which everybody's paying so close attention to. to yeah, see somebody gorgeous. from the Fox uh, you know, side of it come over to the MCU for the very first time and, and start to see that line blur. And so if any of your team members uh from fantastic four were to ever get to make that leap over and maybe revive the version that they played for you who would you like to see uh, uh make that jump oh god so you say wait let me make sure i understand the question uh, yep. which from from the the fox universe moving over into the mcu that's well yeah specifically that? specifically your your fox your fantastic, fantastic four films yeah if you if they oh, got god, to wait, make a leap actors over or ca characters uh actors playing their roles Oh gosh. You know, could you could you not imagine Chicky as, you know, Michael Chiklis's thing? Like <laughs> he's still to this day like so perfect. Um yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I gotta look at Chiklis and just go, gosh, I wish he could, you know, because you know, with the thing, you're gonna make him, he's gonna be like the Hulk. He's not gonna be, you know, he's gonna be so completely um created digitally. So I must admit, to see Michael Chiklis do that, I just was talking to him on Clubhouse. And uh, we just had a really, really good reunion. And I must admit, for for Chicky to do that would be so awesome. So, hey, could you imagine Chris <laughs> Evans's character from your films interacting with be... Captain America? Oh! <laughs> that, that would be would amazing. Be awesome. That would because be... still to this day, when Chris did, when he did Johnny Storm, the first day we started shooting him, that energy, like what, what you know, what what people, I guess they might realize, but so many have grown up on him doing. Um, uh, Captain America, people don't understand how funny Chris is. Not another okay. Chris, movie. Chris is so funny. Like he is, <laughs> and he, but he's such a great actor as well. But he's so hilarious, man. The stuff he would do, just kind of stuff that we couldn't even put in the film, just, you know, for whatever reason. Um, I just love to watch him. It, it's a watch, it's great to watch him grow. Now he's been able to do some such, you know, great dramatic pieces. But oh my God, you don't understand how funny this guy is. It's like, it's the, it's the best. Tim, I have a weird question. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I remember when your cast came here for a NASCAR race as a promotional thing where they kicked off the race yeah. um, and all four of them were there. Were you there that day? Did you come to that? I, I was not. I was okay. not. What was odd about those movies is I was always having to finish them. Yeah. while we did the promotional tour. <laughs> I, we literally finished those movies. You know, this is back when Fox didn't, didn't believe in giving you much post-production because it, you know, because it could be expensive. Yeah. Um, so we, like, literally, I would be finishing those movies two weeks before they hit theater. Wow. Wow. Oh, my God. It, it, I remember Joseph, yeah. I remember Joseph Kaczynski delivering the Tron Legacy film to the screening that I was watching. Like, he's like, I just finished this. <laughs> Here's the hard we're not drive. Lying. We're not lying. Like we're literally like, here you go. It's it, those those films were nuts. Well, we have okay, to wrap. We take we took too much of your time. But thank you so much, Tim. We really appreciate you, having guys. you as thank a guest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Got, you. 
Thank you very much to Warner Brothers for giving us time with Tim's story. Make sure you guys check out Tom and Jerry when it hits HBO Max and makes its way into select theaters. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, so I know we've been talking about Cherry, and um, I was going to bring up Uncharted when we were getting into the video game talk, too, because I hope that that turns out really well. So this is a very Tom Holland-focused episode of the Roblon Podcast, and we want to talk about Spider-Man 3's actual title, which we now know to be uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, and I have no clue what to make of that. I don't know what it means at all. I have no—I don't even have theories— um, there's really? so much mystery. I don't, I don't. There's so much mystery surrounding this film. Um, almost unnecessarily, it seems, uh, to, to this end, it comes out the end of this year. Like we are just finding out it's, it's basically March and we're just finding out the movie's title, um, because they haven't let out like a log line or a full cast or anything like that. And I know they're trying to keep, you know, a shroud of mystery, but even J.J. Abrams is like, guys, no, that's not true. Something. We we didn't we didn't find out stuff about Rise of Skywalker until April, and that movie came out in December, and that worked out well for everyone. It's yeah. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. All of I, I got home today and I, I, from work, and I'm looking at my Twitter feed, and it's just like all back and forth, the name and this and the title, and I'm just like. This is exhausting. That's like, right. it's gotten it's gotten to a point where I'm You're just like on. I'm so over like who gets what first and this title and get the I mean we're all it's all and I get the world that we live in and 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 the the you know the idea of the internet and what the movie uh film twitter environment is but like the fact that we were all like on edge on these fake titles and like getting like stressed and like writing articles and then there was the wrong title also because we it, were in the middle of the cherry junket yeah, talking just, to tom holland which just didn't missed, help i just missed the days of like like jake and i were saying the other day about going to a theater and learning about the title and the trailer from the instant but i get well, it different it's different times and i know but I that's get it. that's exactly but, what i mean to say though is that i think that that marketing campaign i think they really thought it was cute right and i think it it 
worked against them in a way because, because it, they waited it too long for the reveal. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening to this and didn't play along with the with the the madness that it was, Tom Holland dropped a fake title. Uh, he he dropped a title reveal, but didn't treat it as a fake title. He said the new movie was going to be called Spider Man Phone Home, which is an ET reference, obviously. And a bunch <laughs> of news outlets jumped on it. Cinema Blend included. Of course. of course. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. It's coming right from Tom Holland. I have I have a theory that people who cover movies are the only ones that are upset about this. And regular people were like confused oh. and then they were like, oh, okay. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. You are exactly right. I actually right. didn't even bother putting this on my morning show because I just thought like, I don't want to have to explain this whole thing. And, and, the, and the, the resolution is we don't know. They, so I was yeah. like, no, I'm not covering this story. I'm not doing it. It was an expert level trolling session. I will say that right now. It was like they trolled us. Yeah. Beyond belief. Like but it is was, that what you want to do? I don't know. I mean, I, I, troll listen, your fan base from a business perspective. Your movie's trending. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you have three leading actors, two of which have millions and millions and millions of followers on Instagram. Yes. Um, it's bringing awareness. Now, they also played on the fact that every one of these movies is going to have home in it somehow. So there's going to sure, be some, yeah. type of, some, some type of home reference in the title. And I, I did like the reveal video of like leaving John Watts's office yeah. and like they what they put it on John Watts that he gave him fake titles and yes I yeah. mean that stuff was funny but it I, I will say it's so inside baseball that it really only made sense <laughs> yes for like the internet film Twitter world but I guess which is why they did it really I yeah. mean yeah, I did the whole thing it's yeah. kind of brilliant but annoying I want to go I want to go back <laughs> yeah. to Chantal I, I'm surprised show. Brilliant, I'm surprised you don't have a theory about this, and maybe there's something I'm, you can debunk my theories because I think that it could work in two ways. Okay, I think with his identity being revealed, he's on the run, and so yeah. there's no way home because he can't go, he can't, he can't be with Aunt May or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know where we stand in the rumor mill of the multiverse, but if the multiverse is involved, what if he gets lost in the multiverse and there's no way home or whatever? And what if it works both ways? Or I don't know. Those, yeah, are, those gonna, were the first things I went to. I won't debunk either of those because they both sound legit. Like that could yeah. honestly be. And you hear uh, reports of the filming down in Atlanta that they are potentially doing a courtroom scene. So um, the movie could open with, again, pure speculation, uh, could open with Peter Parker, you know, essentially being on trial for, you know, the crimes that he's been accused of committing at the end of Far From Home, where, you know, J. Jonah Jameson saying that he killed Mysterio kind of thing. So, that, yeah. I mean, that's something we've never seen before in the MCU. Uh, or he's playing baseball. He just left third, and the catcher is standing between him and yeah. home base. And that's he looks at the is. camera and goes, no way home. Because <laughs> Peter Parker is really known for those, and for those baseball games. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I will say, is, is it weird that when Phone Home came out, I was okay with it? And like, so was and I. I. I was actually fine with it, and then I and then I realized for a second, I'm like, okay, like, are they gonna get sued by Amblin? Like, like, like what's gonna, you know? I mean, jokingly, but I mean, yeah, like, it is yeah. such a ET reference. Yeah. What well, did you see? The Amblin Twitter account just tweeted Clear's throat. Did they? <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, that's funny. That's <laughs> funny. See, I think I think the phone home. I think. I don't think they were trying to troll anybody or upset anybody. I think they thought it was going to land differently than it did. And I think Phone Home, to them, they were like, people are going to realize this is dumb, right? No, we're gonna I call thought it, it was Phone real. The, the only one that I thought was actually dumb was Home Slice. 
Yeah. Like, Did you that see? Was the only... Home Wrecker people... and Home Slice. I knew. Oh. Well, if, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Because right when Tom Holland released his, did Battleon release his at the same it was time like or was it a little minutes, delayed? I thought it was like 10 minutes after. But then that, was, actually that's another question. Like, was Zendaya supposed to be sooner than because like it was like Tom Holland. Then 10 minutes later, it was Jacob Badalon. And then it right. felt like it was like four hours. It was. And then Zendaya. So like, Whoa. do you think that Zendaya was. was supposed to be a little quicker on the bat? It, like, it, uh, like, here's how it should have been. They should have all tweeted it at the exact same time. Yes. Yes. And you're right. Then, then you, then you don't have the confusion. Well, and now, when Tom Holland tweets it, you just assume it's going to be the real title. I mean, of he course. did a real photo. I mean, it was pretty convincing. It was a real set photo. Yeah. And then it was the title afterwards, and it was like, and and I get it, but like the only way to have really made that work would have been all three of them doing it at the exact same time with three exact different titles. Um, I mean, if I saw Home Slice or Home Wrecker. <laughs> I would have known for sure that it was a joke. Phone right. home, okay, kind of worked. In, I mean, let's home get to this. I think could have worked too, in a way. The home, home is too bit, negative. The too home negative. bit is is played out. I'm I'm afraid the home bit is played out. Like I don't know if well, you can't do it for the first two movies and not do it for the last. Well, one. I know, I know, I know. But like, Far From Home was kind of a stretch, and they're like, because he's in Europe. It's like, uh, yeah, all right, I get it, but like. You didn't have to really do that. And now I, I want to know what like No Way Home means before I determine whether it's an accurate subtitle. Like, Well, I think No Way Home is going to be dealing with. I mean, my assumption is if it, I, where, all right, this is an important question. Where are you guys at on believing Holland that McGuire and Garfield are not in the movie? I don't believe anything anyone from Marvel says officially before. I it agree. Comes yeah, out. yeah. But where are you guys that. at? Do you think they're in the movie or not? I think that if they are in the movie, it is simply a cameo to set up something else. I don't think that uh, they yeah. are. Pro- I don't think they're a prominent part of this film. I, I, are, I, just, I hope it. I hope it's better than like a here's a frame from the movie you've already seen in yes. a porthole or something yeah. like that. I I hope it's better than that, but yeah. I'd rather have nothing than. I that. mean, and I know I've brought this up before, but like, and I know Atlanta is a is a major metropolis and one of the biggest cities in the country. Sure, but like, if if a major actor is in Chicago. They get spotted, and usually, like, the Tribune will write a small piece about it, or someone, like, will tweet, and they'll be like, oh, like, I think Harrison Ford was walking around one day, and people took a bunch of Like, like, ha- no one has spotted Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield in Atlanta. Like, don't you think Hold on. someone would see them somewhere? No, no, no. I'll counter that. Um, John Watts told us for Far From Home that they shot J.K. Simmons' stuff in a broom closet uh, at Marvel a week before the movie was finished. Okay, right. but so so you so in that okay, so you don't think that Garfield and McGuire would have anything like it? Not like big major scene. Like I guess to your point, like if they, they have smaller scenes and could be shot elsewhere. Yes, I think that they have a smaller scene that could be shot elsewhere. Similar to, we have a movie coming up that we're going to talk about on the show in a couple of weeks, and we learned that there were major characters that shared a couple of major scenes than they oh. were on set together. Dude, we know Kong and Godzilla are going to be in the same movie together. <laughs> Dude! Dude! What, what Sean's referring to actually, what Sean's referring to actually shocked me. Wait, yeah. shocked what, are you, what, are, wait what are you talking about? And we, 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 can't, we, can't we can't talk say, vaguely about wait, this. Wait, do I know? You don't. You do. There's a movie no, he out. might not. Oh, yeah, he does. No, he does. There's a yeah. big movie coming out in a couple weeks. Let's. We, we can't tell the audience, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we'll do yeah. this off again. Okay. Okay. Or just, just chat him. Chat him down yeah. below, yeah. Gabe. Yeah. You can let him know in the chat. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's, it's the show we do when Jake's not around, basically. All right, let's <laughs> I get knew to you guys it. did a secret show. <laughs> the really real Glenn. One E. So uh, <laughs> Spider-Man well, No Way Home comes into theaters on December seventeenth, uh, two thousand and twenty-one. Jakey, I had this next to me because I wanted to at some point uh, show it to Tom Holland, but um. That time was so incredibly rushed, as you guys know, uh, that I didn't even get a chance to show it to him, unfortunately. So, but it's cool. I love it. Um, let's see. Okay, so the TCA panel. Uh, I, I got a chance to speak with Kevin Feige today, uh, which is always special. Yeah. Also, always like, a- how did you not tell? Like, like you you freaking like count down from a year whenever you tell us that you're going to talk to Feige, and you just casually interviewed him today and didn't tell us. Well, no, no, no. It was a panel for TCA which is a, a critics uh, a television critics panel that um Cinema Blend was able to attend and it was a virtual panel and I didn't know if I would get called on to like it's one of the things where you do a virtual raise your hand kind of thing and a moderator might potentially call on you and so um I got called on and I got to ask Feige a question and That's it was so about, cool. and he recognized you and he recognized posters were me. putting in work today yeah no he didn't see me they didn't turn me on unfortunately <laughs> oh, it was just, uh, just audio yes when you when you when you ask Feige for a question do you just say dad I do dad I said dad okay <laughs> dad it's your son please acknowledge okay. me <laughs> I, I just was I'm just curious like you don't say Feige you just say dad I said dad and uh and okay he pretends he doesn't hear me but I know that deep down he actually does hear me. <laughs> wait wait then you go Papa, can you hear me? <laughs> making this as weird as physically how, possible. How do we expect people to pay for more of this show? One of the things that we got to see before going into the panel was footage from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I want to thank Kevin uh, for ruining Marvel television for me by pointing out Sorry. that the exposition uh, in, in scenes spoken by mostly human characters um is is not great back up and jimmy I, I can <laughs> i can overlook it for the most part but i i'm lying when i tell you so they showed us two scenes before going into the marvel panel and one was a very action driven uh sam wilson uh, scene where he had to retrieve um some a soldier who had been kidnapped and was being brought about to be brought over an international border that they couldn't let him cross essentially if he crossed it they'd they'd lose this guy forever they weren't gonna be able to get him back and it's incredibly well choreographed it's aerial action it's falcon going in around under helicopters uh being chased by missiles it's it's some of the most impressive like i think the the line that is blurred between the amount of money that marvel will spend on their features and on their television series is just getting too close you know marvel's going to pour money into these productions to make them look great however for no reason whatsoever sam had a um a military liaison who was his boots on the ground and it was a guy in a jeep who was following him and for whatever reason just saying everything that we're watching like at one point i had to stop and text kevin because falcon's got like multiple helicopters around him and they, they cut to the guy in the jeep and he goes oh man He's outnumbered. <laughs> like, I didn't I don't know, mean to I don't hear that. that. Like, that doesn't bother me the way that it bothers you guys. Like, like, that, is it necessary? No, but like, it like it doesn't like it doesn't ruin it for me. That it line isn't terrible. Yeah. It, it 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 what Sean's referring to just to give <laughs> a, a a quick little backup is like some yeah. of the WandaVision episodes that have come out post episode three when they when we've entered the real world outside of the sitcom. 
I felt have been a little exposition heavy, but Gabe made a good point today on text because you could do exposition really well. Um, there's actually really good ways to do exposition. Sometimes it's just lazy um, just to have characters repeat what story points. Like some of the times I'm watching WandaVision, I feel like they forget that I have seen the other 23 Marvel films for the past 11 years. I mean, if you're watching WandaVision, you're probably a fan of Marvel. I would, um, I would you, assume. I, I think you're, I think you're forgetting that there are like nine year old kids that are watching. Marvel. I get that, but I also think <laughs> the, storytelling. They weren't alive when Iron Man came out. And, and not even just that, Kevin. Like, just like there are a lot of people who like have seen all the Marvel movies, but they're still casual fans and don't remember beat for beat for beat. Like my dad has seen every single Marvel movie and I still have to kind of be like, dude, remember like this is when like this guy is the guy that did this. And he's like, oh yeah, I remember I saw it for, you know, like, like, right. like having seen it, like there, there is like, you can't just cater to us and the people right. like in this podcast. But there's a way like, like, like exposition, exposition is interesting to me. Like there are ways where you can do it where it doesn't feel like it's being explained to you. So for example, if I go, if I come on a screen uh, with my friends and we're just talking about things and I'm like, all right, my grandmother's name is this and my grandfather's name is this. They grew up here, blah, blah, blah. You could work that into a conversation as part of dialogue where like you bring up your grandmother in a sentence as part of the conversation you're having versus just telling it to have the audience like, you know, this is what's going on here. Make sure you understand. It's more about the way it's uh, uh, delivered. And I think Gabe sure. made a really good okay. point. If you have a really good actor and they have, and they have exposition, like look at Nolan's movies. Nolan's movies okay, I was just walking, extreme. I was just about to ask you. I actually think that the um, Inception is or the, the 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 dialogue that you're talking about in Inception can be uh, a yes. little like looking at the screen and going, here are the rules you need to know sure. to understand this movie. Sure. But, he, but he, the scene you're referring to, and I'll tell you why I don't mind that. And the scene you're referring to is is the scene where DiCaprio is walking around with Ellen uh, Elliot Page, and yeah. they're and they're explaining the world of Inception. That makes sense because he's explaining it to another character who doesn't sure. understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In WandaVision, they're they're bouncing dialogue just to tell us what's going on to remind us. It's, it's Jimmy needed to back up to say again <laughs> to that to that guy why he needed to. Okay, I so like the other WandaVision, scene. Yeah, by the way, it, I just it's yeah. I think it's phenomenal. Um, in addition to the Falcon yeah, scene that they good. showed. Uh, they also showed another a scene that was dedicated solely to Bucky. And let me point out something that I learned today. Sebastian Stan uh, and the character of Bucky have a very strong social following. <laughs> because I got... Oh. oh, yeah. Inundated with direct messages from people asking me to elaborate on the drama that I saw in, in Bucky's clip. Sebastian Holy Stan cow. is very... Very niche famous. Wow! And, and do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean by that? It's like, like yeah. Sebastian. Like my parents don't know who Sebastian Stan is, but if you tweet about Sebastian Stan, yes, it's gonna go crazy. And like that—that's we were discussing this last week about social media and kind of how what things get picked up, what things get retweeted and liked, and all those sure. things. There is these very specific fan bases, and he is one of them. And I always noticed it when I would do the Marvel junkets <laughs> and talk to the casts of like Captain America or whatever, if you threw him into a junket package, yeah, people would search for it. And I don't I don't understand like like but but you put Anthony Mackie or another cast member or Paul Bettany, it might yeah. not get the clicks. 
It's interesting. Well, the Stan Army found me today, and they were <laughs> they were very curious to see what the, I saw the, about the that. The Stan game. stands. Stan. The, <laughs> Stan stands. <laughs> nice, Jakey. Uh, the other thing that Feige talked about straight. briefly stands. was um, there are some series uh, on Disney Plus for Marvel that will get second and third seasons. Uh, he said that they have already finished Miss Marvel and they're working on She-Hulk and Moon Knight right now and that how WandaVision is going to feed right into Doctor Strange Part 2 and that Miss Marvel is confirmed to show up in Captain Marvel 2. Um, but a lot of these other shows... And I think Oscar Isaac is going to be Moon Knight as well, too, although I'm not sure if that's been confirmed yet. Uh, they potentially are going to be getting uh, second and third seasons. So clearly we're going to be talking Marvel stuff for years to come. Let's also get over to David Fincher, uh, who confirmed what his next film is going to be. Uh, Deadline reported today that David Fincher is currently developing developing an adaptation of The Killer, a graphic novel from Alexis Noland. Uh, he is reteaming with the Seven screenwriter, Andrew Kevin yes. Walker, who is going to adapt. And while it is unconfirmed at the time, Michael Fassbender is in talks to be the lead character uh, in this film. So uh, New Fincher means I'm, I'm totally on board. Yeah. You tell Not me New Fincher. New Fincher, but like New Fincher from the screen, like from like the era of Fincher that I love yeah, yeah, yeah. so much. I threw wanna... Seven on, on HBO Max um, recently, just for S's and G's. I think it was after we yeah. did Morgan Freeman blend, and yeah. I wanted to just, you know, revel in his uh, performance. Did and you ever see... A oh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sorry. He's vastly underrated. Like, I mean, he's he's so incredibly good in Seven as the veteran cop who is basically done, you yeah. know? Like, he gets this last case as a technicality. He's got a rookie he's got to train, you know, and bring up to speed. And their dynamic is so great about it, how Pitt thinks that he's... He's undervaluing him, and oh god, everything about it is phenomenal. I mean, he his relationship with um, Gwyneth Paltrow when she confesses to him that she's pregnant. Yes, and yes, he yes, tells yes. the story about how, like, he was with a woman and he left her or something like that, and she was going to have a baby. I don't know. It's a it's a heartbreaking story, and it makes Gwyneth Paltrow start to cry. Oh mm -hmm. my god. Um, just just thinking about the the screenwriter that Fincher's going to be working with again, the guy that wrote Seven. Did you ever see another movie he wrote um, that was directed by Joel Schumacher called Eight Millimeter? Oh, yes, Cage, that, is a, yeah. that is uh if you've never disturbing. seen it it is a disturb like if you like it is it is seven level disturbing turned up to 11 so it's like he sees a crime that took place on an eight millimeter so reel of he, film is that he's, what happens? A, he's a private detective that is hired by uh the widow of a billionaire okay. uh, this billionaire dies and he, he had this safe in their home and his widow cracks it open and finds an, an eight millimeter tape or eight millimeter film and plays it and it is a snuff film um, and she, but I guess the idea is that some people fake snuff films because oh, they yeah. like that kind of thing. Um, and so they hire Nick Cage, who is this private detective to investigate the girl in the film who is raped and murdered, mm -hmm. uh, to find out, is this one of those like where they filmed it and it's fake and it's a movie or is it legit? And what the hell did like her husband have to do? Like, why does he have uh. this locked away? <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a gr it's one of those movies yeah, yeah, that like, yeah. but there is, not to like, I don't want to ruin it. Oh, I don't want to ruin it. But yeah, there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a line from the ending that I, that, I, that I genuinely love, but it has a Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Uh, James Gandolfini's in, Gandolfini is in it. Peter Stormare is in it. It's a great cast. Dang. Did you say Schumacher directed that? Yeah, Schumacher directed it. That's unusual for him. Yeah. That doesn't feel like something that he would tackle, but um, yeah. I remember seeing it the one time and I didn't really want, I didn't want to go back and revisit it's it. Not, it's not, you genuinely feel like you kind of need a shower when you're done yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and then this Fincher did a prequel oh. to it called Seven Millimeter, right? 
Well, I was going to make a joke. I didn't know it was too much of a stretch. I was going to make a joke that, like, if, if his next movie is going to have to, like, be something involved with nine, because he did seven, and then he did eight millimeters, so is the third movie going to have to be nine? Actually, that was really funny. Uh, and, of course, Fassbender. What's the last great film that Michael Fassbender's been in? Steve Jobs? Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Is that it's been, it, really? It's been was a hot minute. In? How about that? It's been a hot minute is the point sure. I'm trying to make. I mean, I feel Dark like, Phoenix was look. terrible. He got lost yeah. in Ridley Scott's Prometheus world for a little I while. I love Prometheus. I love the Prometheus. The first Prometheus is amazing. Alien Covenant. Covenant. Okay, but okay. Covenant is, I would argue, the fans' fault. Because Covenant is the studio knee-jerk responding to people being mad that there wasn't enough xenomorph action in Prometheus, like like Prometheus, like they kind of promoted Prometheus as it's going to be an alien prequel, yeah. and it is, but it isn't. And people were mad that it wasn't straight up like xenomorphs running all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I, so I felt like the studio like like just went the complete opposite way, uh, and had him put do too much. It's, it's too much xenomorph stuff in in Alien Covenant. Okay, but like, ooh, like, whose fault is this? You're blaming the fans. The studio the shouldn't fans. react. They still made the movie. Yeah. Listen. I mean, I blame everything after Man of Steel on the fans for talking shit about Man of Steel. And don't, then don't, don't, don't do this. Hey, BBS. <laughs> don't do this. Oh, yeah, I do love Batman vs. Superman. It's pretty amazing. I was just saying. I'm looking up Fastbender's uh, recent Oh, oh I, I have it here. I have it here. Sorry. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. Um, yeah, no, you guys are right. It, it, it's kind of strange. 2017 was full of Alien Covenant stuff. Um, and then he did the snowman, which was, oh. it was like a remake of, a uh, <laughs> it was, it was based on a book. Yeah. Oh, you I remember like that it? movie. It was, um, like, like, I, I, like, I, like I, uh, police, story. I gave you all the clues. Right, yeah. right, right. But that was more yeah, people, of a People use that movie. image. Yeah. People use that image all the time. <laughs> yeah. What, what, Fast Fighter's <laughs> best role has to be Steve Jobs, right? It's hundred percent Steve Jobs. Might be. His best role. <gasps> Y'all need to rewatch Hunger, man. I don't know how you guys. Hunger I put shame over Hunger. Hunger is so fucking. Did McQueen good. do Hunger? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I've actually I never seen Hunger. First... It's really oh, good. dude, you should watch it. It's brilliant. There's. It's phenomenal. I, I don't know. It's not spoil. It's spoilers for you and me because, like, I, I want you to be surprised by it. It's a. It's his debut, and there's I forget how long it is, but there's a scene. A one take, but it doesn't move, and it's just dialogue. Mm. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It just what? it just lets the performances. I mean, is that, how's that different than what we do every week on Real Blind? Oh, True. The, the, you don't, you like, don't know what I do. You don't know. I'm the not moving this cuts camera. I make. <laughs> what, what, I'm, Wait, you make cuts? I make a lot of cuts. I'm making. I'm, I'm. I'm having a confused moment. What's the name of Tom Hardy's first breakout role? Bronson. Chopper. Bronson. Bronson. Okay. Bronson. And, and Bronson's not McQueen. I was no, actually I so. just going to ask that. Because really? I thought it might have been McQueen also, but I don't think it is. No, it's, no, uh, it's not. It is. Like, it's Hunger an Australian guy. in the same boat for me for some weird reason. Yes. I don't know why. I, it's Reffin. It's Reffin. I knew it was someone. It's that Nicholas thing was one Reffin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who was, oh, and it was Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. He's good in that. It's funny because those are the two yeah. basically breakout performances. So that's, 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 fat, that's, um, that Fastbenders was Hunger and then Chopper or Chopper. What am I Hardy's. Chopper. Chopper is Eric Banya. Eric Banya oh, okay. doing doing also a psychotic sort of intense well, guy. 
because we brought up Nicholas Winding reference, this is we gotta mention that he just tweeted out the other day they're gonna be releasing Drive in 4K, and he like yeah. released this awesome photo of like I guess what it looked like his home theater of yeah. like the shot after um after he after the driver essentially annihilates that guy in the shower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he just like yeah. turns around and his face is all bloody, and it's like. Uh. Oh. God, what a movie. Such a crazy movie. All right, let's nah. speak to uh, this weekend movie. Speaking of crazy movies, uh, there's something called Bigfoot Family coming to Netflix. I'm not even quite sure what that is. Anybody know? Animated movie. Cute. Um, it doesn't have anybody in the cast that I was familiar with. Any families listening to us, go check out Bigfoot Family on Netflix and let us know how it is. Uh, Tom and Jerry is coming to theaters and HBO Max. With all due respect to our uh, guest... <sighs> Mr. Tim Story, who was an extremely nice man and a very interesting conversation. Um, I cannot get behind Tom and Jerry. It's just, it was just, okay, but it's not made for me. It's, it's very silly. See, it's okay, really, but, yeah, for kids. I, I agree with what Kevin's going to say. I, I'm I with take, you, Kevin. You haven't even said it yet. I take issue with the, it wasn't made for me critique. Okay. Okay. Cause Why? I think I, cause I think that a good movie should be made for everybody. And I think okay. Jake agrees. Did you watch like, the door of the Explorer movie? Listen, it listen. wasn't made for you, and it's uh, see, popular. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think that you can make good kids' movies. Like, you can, but you don't have to. For sure. Like, or you, you can make... I, I, hang on, let me rephrase your good. You can make kids' movies that work for adults, but you don't have to. A kids' movie can just be a kids' movie. Yeah, for sure. but I mean, like... but to Okay, again, let's step aside from... Let's back it Tom up, and Jimmy. Let's step back aside up, Jimmy. From, um, <laughs> let's step aside from uh, Tom and Jerry for a second. Okay. I, I think, you know... There are like films. Okay, uh, let's get, let's take Pixar. Pixar is too easy because Pixar is just generally great for kids and adults. For sure. That's their let's goal at, is to make their films right. for everybody. Yeah. Oh, film, I got like, one. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. All right. Perfect. I was going to say a, Paddington. 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 Sure. Great, great choice. B- movies that are genuinely great. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs does not need to work for adults. But no. Chris Miller and Phil Lord made a great movie in general i Correct. don't think that kids movies need to be lesser quality than but i don't think films. they're lesser quality they're just not made for you like there are plenty of movies that a kid can fall in love with there are Jake, plenty of movies that here. a kid can fall in love with but that's... and then this a perfect example schumacher's batman movies universally hated i grew up with them to me, I love them because I grew up with them. They were my that's Batman. That's nostalgia. Okay, but wait, let me... I, but that's my point. Yeah, that's yeah, my it's, point it's, is it's, someone it's, can fall in love with it in the moment as a child, and it can still be important to them later. Okay. There's nothing wrong with not making it approachable for adults. Okay, Aladdin is a great movie. I, Lion King. Can, you can, there are countless examples. You're, I, I'm and, not going to argue it, you that, it's, but it's I don't think that that's... It's, pre- it's, 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 a, it's necessary. It's a double-edged sword, too, because I think it's, it's almost unfair as adults to... Uh, say that hey a kids movie has to work for adults in order to be good but like if if a kid were to watch i don't know tenant and say this isn't good we wouldn't say well like it's not good because it <laughs> should work for everyone we would just yeah. say you're not the yeah. person that it's made for a six-year-old comes out of tenant and he goes that wasn't made for me yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you guys see snl last week i don't know if you guys saw it but uh reggae jean page uh hosted i watched it every week and i thought I he saw, was yeah oh yeah i saw host. the tenant thing the, with and uh yeah yeah he davidson they did this like hip-hop video um i can't remember the name of it but like they go to pete oh, davidson yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they're going crazy 
Right. Like, yeah, something about going crazy. And he, and, he, and he has this line where he's like sitting on a couch and he goes, I'm going so crazy that I understood Tenet the first time. And it's like this amazing, <laughs> like, hit. He goes, and then he, then he looks at the camera and he goes, they just go back in time to save the future. Was yeah. it, but it wasn't. It wasn't him, though, right? It was. Uh, it, it was. It, Pete it, wasn't him. it was. Yeah, oh, Pete Davidson. Yeah, I thought yeah, you were yeah. saying it was. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Pete yes. Davidson. And he That's gives all. a look as yeah. if to say, like, "Why are you confused?" Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what they did. <laughs> all right. Uh, the father. Anyone see Anthony Hopkins's film, The Father? Not yet. I've uh, I've been sitting on the screener, waiting for it, yeah, uh, waiting for God. the waiting for the junket. I don't understand. Yeah, because that, that is one of those ones that's on my list of like, I got to get to it. Um, all right. So Cherry is opening in limited release. This is uh, Joe and Anthony Russo teaming up with Tom Holland to tell the story of um, they're calling it a com- coming of age. I, I guess it's kind of a coming of age, not in a John Hughes type of way. It's far more intense. Um, we're going to have a much deeper discussion on this film when it gets closer to the VOD, which is going to be in the second week of March, I believe, or is it the 17th or is it that late into the, into March? We're going to get well, to it later on. Awesome. And we're pushing to try to get them on the show. We hope to get Joe and Anthony Russo to join Real Blend yet again. All three of us recommend it highly. And so if it is playing near you and you're able to get to a theater, uh, I would definitely check it out. We'll get to it. Um, like I said, we'll discuss it in more detail, a little bit closer to, to its VOD release. Uh, last one for the week is the United States versus Billy Holiday. This is coming to Hulu. Uh, can you guys, either of you, convince me to watch this? Because I'm not. I, I just, it's not on my radar in any way, shape, um, or form. I thought Andrea Day's performance is really strong. And okay. she's made a bit of a splash in the... Uh... She's one of 84 uh, women nominated for Best Actress at the Critics' Choice Awards, and she did land a uh, she did land a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress. What is Actress. the story? What is the movie about? Is it a it's a court case? I'm assuming. Well, it's it's you know you know lately how biopics have kind of been focusing on a very specific point in someone's life, like, sure. like I, I don't, and I don't know much about the life of Billie Holiday, but it really kind of focuses on uh, the very tumultuous final. Yeah, she died at 44. Oh, and wow. the final few years of her life were really rough, not the least of which is because the uh, like U.S. Department of Narcotics at the time was was really going after her. Yeah. She had a really rough past few years, and she was an incredible talent and amazing jazz singer. Um, but she just had, and so this this movie kind of focuses on the the, the really rough final few years of her okay. life, and really how the U.S. government kind of not kind of unfair, like really went after her. Okay, um, but I did not think. Uh, I, I I don't particularly think that Lee Daniels is an amazing director, um, mm. and uh, I I this this movie didn't really do anything to convince me otherwise. Okay, yeah, yeah it's like it's one of those films where I I learned about her story, but in a way that didn't like the way it was told wasn't entertaining or intriguing. And I'm not saying a film like this or the story like this is going to be entertaining, but like you saw about something like Cherry, mm-hmm. where it's very hardcore dealing with very extreme things and it still works. Like it's still mm. entertaining and intriguing. Uh, Billy holiday is like Andrew day is so great in it. And it's unfortunate because she's so damn good in the movie. It's just, the movie's not good. Okay. Um, the script doesn't feel great. The dialogue is almost extremely, is almost over the top exposition at some points where it's just genuinely, it, it just feels like it's trying too hard to, to get a message out. And I get what the message is. And sometimes subtlety, I think, is is, is a really key thing for filmmakers to use. So, like, filmmakers need to understand that audiences are smart. And sometimes we just don't need to be told over and over again 
something, and I think that you can do. Look, it I need to know if someone needs to back up or not. I need. To, yeah. I need to know. I need them to True. tell me. Does he need to back up? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, you know, it's interesting. Cause I, I agree with you. I, I don't necessarily think Lee Daniels is a great director. I mean, I thought the Butler was was good. Um, I think what Precious, he did with Precious is not a bad movie. Precious, Precious, is, no, Precious is yeah, Precious is good. That, Precious I would say this is his good. best work. Mm-hmm. His early Empire stuff was actually pretty good. Oh, he corrected um, the that? earlier <laughs> yeah. Uh, seasons. Yeah. He created um, his that's his baby. He was like no he was kidding. showrunner on it for a while. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. And I you know I also have given credit because he shot Andrew. He shot um uh, Holiday on sixteen and thirty five millimeters. So he's mm-hmm. he's oh actually everything he's ever done he shot on film um, from a movie mm-hmm. perspective. So I admire him from that perspective. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I, I didn't think this film had a had a storyline that just it just didn't grab me. And I think that there is so much interesting material there with Billie Holiday. I mean, the whole story of her is fascinating, like how, how she was being watched by the FBI for a song that she was singing, which was mm-hmm. a, a very important song that, that she was trying to get a message out to audiences. And like that whole thing was interesting. Um, it just wasn't executed well, unfortunately. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's kind of like it's a bummer because it's a it's a kind of a great uh, story uh, in in the sense of like what it, what on film it would be a really good story to tell. It just I just don't mm-hmm. think it was executed by a great director. Well, that's on Hulu. If anybody still wants to give it a try, despite uh, despite our, our rousing recommendations, I mean uh, she's great. By the way, yeah, she is great. Her and, and I saw on uh, on Awards Watch. Uh, which is a really fun website to uh, to pay attention to around this time of year because they, they continuously update their rankings uh, in terms of who they think people are going to get nominated. They have her in the fifth spot for Best okay. Actress. Really? Yeah. So, they- I mean, I, I would argue that, you know, whether the movie's great or not, you know, if you're someone that likes to see all the films that are nominated, if she lands that Best Actress spot, you got to watch it. And- so... And there's no we- way that anyone would tell you her performance is bad. 100%. Like, 100%. if she got nominated, I'd be like... Yeah, yeah, cool. I get it. I yeah, see it. It makes sense. It yeah. feels like there's three locks in actress, right? Like it's Frances McDormand for Nomadland. I would yeah. imagine Carrie Mulligan for Promising yeah. Young Woman. And, Who I'm starting um, to think might win, which would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm, really great. I, I think that would be amazing. Uh, what's the third? Vanessa Kirby? Is Vanessa Kirby still up there? She's for, locked. Yeah, I think Vanessa Kirby's locked. She's locked. Okay, so those are the three that I think are there, and then this seems like there's two slots that a couple other people are yeah. sort of... Is I, I think, unfortunately, I think Zendaya's fallen off, because I don't, I don't think, think people so? responded to the movie well enough. I mean, okay. which is a bummer, because I loved that movie, and I loved her performance. Yeah, yeah um, that was a bummer, that movie just kind of didn't get... Re- I, I was... What's so funny is I... We all... I think Jake and I for sure watched that film outside of the bubble in the sense that like when it when it dropped and started getting reactions then then the internet discourse takes it a certain way so when you sure. see it fresh yeah before, before the anybody tells you what you're supposed to you know what you what they think of it i mean there's something beautiful about watching a film before any before you know what anyone thought anyone's thoughts are yeah um well, I, and i, I know I that's festivals. rare it's such a rare thing these days yeah. unfortunately i i um but i think with uh, with malcolm and maria i think a lot of critics took offense um, by the dialogue, which is oh. a personal attack. I think I, I think people were taking it personally versus versus just the director Levinson just walking us through the field of what criticism is. And there's, I mean, like there are critics out there that that write things that are that are, that are strange, and, and 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 there's nothing wrong with. It. I mean, in the sense that like criticism, like look at what happened with uh, Carrie Mulligan. Like there are things that get said in reviews that I think should be called out, and I think that Levinson does an interesting job of talking about the the business. And but Sam and Zendaya and, and John David Washington went on press tour 
praising critics and film criticism, how important it is to cinema. And uh, I don't think the film was at all a negative bash on reviewers. Um, but I think a lot of people took it personally. I think, the I don't know. That's just my guess. The fourth one is uh, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey. Yeah, Ma Rainey. Yep. I keep forgetting about Viola Davis. And, I, and I, she's so great in it. But I, and I know Jake and I disagree on this. I See, I think Chadwick was the star of that film. Um, but, but you think Viola's going to get a nomination though, right? Oh, yeah. She's phenomenal in the movie. But And I look back on that movie, I think of Chadwick Boseman, even though the movie's called Ma Rainey. And it has yeah. nothing to do with Chadwick's passing. It's just one of the greatest performances I've ever seen in my entire life. I think... He should win, and I, I think I, I don't know what uh, the predictions are saying right now. Is he the front runner? I keep seeing Hopkins a lot. Really? Okay, no. I haven't seen. Father, which is which so. is why I have to see the father. You're right. waiting for a junket that you know is going to happen, or is that time come and gone? Well, I've been told, and well, you know, I know, I know, I know, people love that that uh, these these inside baseball stuff. Um, I think that's why th- people th- there to was a, a small press day, from what I understand. Uh, for the New York and LA release, and since it's coming, I keep bugging Sony Picture Classics, and they they promised to get back to me, but they said that they're trying to figure out who and what they're going to get for when it opens theatrical. Um, full th- or no, when it goes, I think it starts streaming next month. Or opens okay. or goes full theatrical next. There's some it, it goes wide in March, and that's what they're trying to nail them down for. I will read you the top five according to Awards Watch, which Jake is right. This is pretty accurate. Uh, reading of where we are in the best actor race as of February 24th. And I'm trying to juggle the screen so I can see your reactions to it. Number five, uh, Paul Racy, Sound of Metal. Is that, well, that's got to be supporting Supporting. Actors, supporting. That's where well, we're talking about Chadwick for... No, he's oh, we're talking about Chadwick for five... Yeah. Bl- I see Chadwick's here for five bloods. My well, I remember my yeah. first episode of Real Blend. Hold on. Yeah, well, so though I do love the idea. Paul Paul Racy and supporting this. Oh, please God, let Paul Racy get nominated. Blend back in the day. And Thank to you clarify for our audience, Chadwick will be nominated for two. We think it's going to be supporting for Five Bloods and then leading okay. for um, well, Ma Rainey. I wanted to get your reactions because I saw Chadwick was fourth, but it makes a little bit more sense because he was in supporting. He's What's number one for best on actor that? according to this. Uh, I'm off best. I'm off supporting actor. I'm on to best actor. The number one for supporting they had. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen for trial, trial over over Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya was second. Yes, I think uh, Kaluuya Sasha, takes it over Sasha Baron Cohen. Sasha right Baron now, Cohen. and I love Chicago Seven. Yes, I do too. Here Cohen are the five for best Borat. actor. Five is Gary Oldman for Mank, Stephen Yen for Minari, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, and Chadwick for Ma Rainey's Black In Bottom. first place, wow. And that eliminates Delroy Lindo, uh, Tom Hanks. <gasps> no, Lindo? Well, I didn't think High Hanks was ever going to get it. Tahar Rahim for the Mauritanian, Kingsley Benadir, and Adarsh, Adarsh Gurav for the White Tiger. That's that's a number 10? Good Lord. Anyway, this is a weird award season. Let's get to this week's blend game. Holly Berry blend. Um, I'm going to go first because I looked over Holly Berry's filmography and I realized that I don't like a lot of her films. Um, I mean, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. But I don't necessarily have a favorite of hers, and she's got a really weird filmography, um, in my opinion. Uh, there, was, there wasn't a lot of things on there that I could point to and be like... Please tell her that when she comes on the show. Yeah, and I'm not even saying that she's bad. I'm just saying that she hasn't really chosen a lot of films that I actually love. And so my choice um, is the first X-Men film. Um, I legitimately love that film. I think it's a really good adaptation. What does happen when a toad gets struck by lightning? 
same thing that happens to everything, Jake. Okay, I actually like that line. And everyone, everyone, line. Everyone, everyone shits on it. I think it's a great line. <laughs> I think that's a really good line. She's a terrific choice to play Storm. Uh, Angela Bassett almost played Storm back in the day. Oh, um, I didn't know that. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Cameron was going to... James Cameron was going to produce X-Men, and it was going to get directed by uh, Catherine Bigelow. And they Ooh. had Bob Hoskins down for Wolverine and Angela Bassett for I Storm. I mean, he's he's more comic book accurate. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would have been amazing. And instead, yeah. I think um, Bigelow went on to do... I think she'd done Point Break already. Anyway, I'm getting, it's getting away from me. Uh, Holly Berry is a great choice for Storm. I think the first X-Men is still my favorite. I think there are better... It is films in it the is, franchise i i think uh days of future i, th- I think x-men 1 is better than x2 but i also love days of future past oh dude the opening of x2 in the white house with nightcrawler yeah i like i like the bam i like bam but i'm talking about the rest of it days of future past is the best that uh, is probably the best that's then the first class but i love the first oh i like first class a lot too matthew vaughn's a great director but anyway i chose um x-men i was trying to think if there was something that was even close for holly berry and there wasn't. You're, you're so missing I'm her masterpiece. I'm really curious what you guys want. All right, Jakey, you're up next. So what'd you choose for hashtag uh, Holly Berry? Oh, wait, I know Jakes. Can I, can I say Jakes? Sure. Yeah. You care if I reveal it? Please. I just know you so well. He's going to choose Cloud Atlas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. It's, yes. it, is, uh, it is her master. It, it is a masterpiece. It is her masterpiece. Is it? And, uh, and, and yeah, it absolutely is. <laughs> uh, it is It is one of the absolute best films of the last decade. It is one of the most underappreciated, underrated films of all mm. time. Um, and the fact that, that people sleep on it is is a travesty. And, and she gives... Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six incredible performances. <laughs> and it's, I mean, what, what the, that movie asks of its actors is astounding. And the fact that she dives headfirst into so many different parts and uh, so many different, uh, uh, you know, ways of speaking, you know, the, the, the future storyline, they have to speak completely differently than, than she does, mm. uh, you know, as... as they learn know, a one, different language, don't they? Like the, don't they the, I mean, it's still language? English, but it's like a more of a broken esque type of English, um, and but uh, and, and in fact, that part of the book is actually written that way. You kind of you really have to like reassess yourself when you're reading that chunk of the book. You're like, mm. oh, this is this is interesting. I, it's I, I it's you know I've, I've spoken. I'm not going to say anything I haven't already said about that movie. But she's great in it. Uh, it really shows a wide range of her capabilities in a three hour time span, and it is just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful film um, with one of the most beautiful scores of all time. Cloud Atlas Sextet. I'm a little bit excited for the fact that Warner Brothers likes our show so much and that the chance of us getting Lana Wachowski when the Matrix rolls around, just so that you can talk to her about Cloud Atlas. Um, I got to talk to her. She did, I, she walked by us um, uh, at the junket for Cloud Atlas because I'd actually got to do the junket for Cloud Atlas. Um, and she wasn't doing TV, but I, I got to geek out with her a little bit. Um, did you? And, okay. and, she, and she was lovely, lovely, lovely. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I actually I got uh, Tom Hanks paired with Halle Berry for that junk. Okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I listen. I wasn't breaking your chops about class. I remember really liking it a lot, and I remember there was like six or seven on my top ten list that year. It just oh, it's did such it make, a, I don't think I knew. It, I didn't know you made your top ten list. It did. I really do think it is extremely impressive and really um, ambitious. Uh, but it's it's such an ambitious film that it's like daunting to revisit. 
Because I know that it's not just like, I'm going to pop on Cloud Atlas. Like, it's a re- you got to sit down and strap in for it and and really go through. But I loved Cockney Tom Hanks, like when he picks yes. up that dude and just throws, throws him off the balcony. Off the, um, and, and, and I always say he, um, and it's just such a, I always thought this was a Southern way of ordering um, whiskey or bourbon. Mm. And whenever he says it in the movie, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I, I don't know if you guys do it. When he ordered a couple of fingers. Like oh, yeah, yeah. Ever, yeah. And so yeah. whenever he orders, uh, he goes like whiskey, couple of fingers. I was like, oh, like that's so like, because I always grew up hearing that in the maybe that's more universal than i thought it was but i mean is that is that a thing that everyone says i, never I heard think it. it's i think it's more old school now it might be regional now and, and more old school everywhere else yeah. but that is like a common well things take a while to get to texas uh kevin what did you choose for holly barrett blind this may be recency effect but i well it's interesting because i was looking through her filmography and i mean i remember loving swordfish i remember loving like like a like monster's ball like her performances are she's an amazing actor um my favorite thing she's ever done weirdly enough is probably john wick three um because i, I thought she was that. um i thought she like she is great in that she was amazing in that movie and she also walked into a world in a third movie mm-hmm. where keanu reeves had already set the bar for the insanity of the action that won her of her and him and the dogs is insane. Like she crushed that movie. And like, and, and you know, for a fact that she did all the training, mm-hmm. you know, that still had her, had her do all that. Um, Cause if Keanu Reeves is doing it, there's no way that Halle Berry wasn't going to do it. I mean, if you, if you're, if you're taking on a role in a John Wick film, you, you're going to work really hard. Um, and for some reason, I just thought like, you know, she's a very famous person and i was a little worried about okay all right halle berry's joining this film am i going to see halle berry is she going to be able to keep up in in the sense of action and it's not a male female thing it's more of just like you know keanu reeves is already three films into this like and he's already and i thought she was on par if not even more badass than him in some of the action scenes because she was just so great um and i think for me i think i was just surprised that of how incredible she was in the film with the action like you know yeah. it's a, it, i mean keanu reeves is what 50 years old and he's still crushing these action scenes i don't know how, how old halle berry is um but i mean the fact that it. she but the fact that she's that far into her career and she's like you know what i do want to do all this training and and make my and make because stelhesky's style of action is so anti-edit right it's it's so like let's stay in it let's stay immersed I want the actors to be doing this. I want to see it. And for Halle Berry to do that, it, it just kind of gave me a different level of respect for her. I already had a respect for her as a dramatic actor, but you know, and obviously she was in the, one of the Bond films, but just from a purely action perspective, um, I was super impressed uh, at, at, at what she brought to the table with that movie. And, I, and, it, and it honestly gave me a very, a newfound respect for her from a, just from an acting perspective. I already knew she could crush drama. I mean, monsters ball and, um and and films like that i mean she's amazing um and the x-men films are great too but i mean what she did in john wake was next level i thought she's and also, 54 can we... wow she wow. really wow so think about that she's in her 50s yeah not that's not old nowadays it's not old but you know and to take on a role like that you know it's a daunting task like you know that they're training for months and like you know still wants her in the shot doing this okay. firing and the dogs yes. it's crazy yeah, yeah, yeah. hold up but, but one thing though about all these actors who take on these roles that's all they do like the, like if you got a chance to stay home and only prep for a, a role see. like that and mind you i'm older than both of you guys and i can tell you that like everything hurts when you get older <laughs> like yeah 
for sure, 54 is crazy for her to be doing that. At the same time, like, she has nothing else to do during the day. She has a trainer I, I, who comes in and works I do her. agree with Sean. Like, if, if Sean were, genuinely, I genuinely, like, if Sean were hired to play Wolverine, yes. he would look like Hugh Jackman within a year. Like, at least, think, at least from the neck down. A year. I, see, I don't think everybody has that determination. I, and I'm uh, not, you know yes. what? I think millions of dollars that's buys a what, lot of yes, determination. That's what it is. I don't. And is. Like, I'm not discounting her I work couldn't. ethic. You can be a hard worker. And I mean, like at the end of the day, like, okay, to, to equate it, people always say like, oh my God, like how, how do you have time to watch X, Y, and Z? How do you watch all these shows? And I will yeah. say, it's my job. Yeah. It's literally like, like, like you, you have to go to work from <laughs> nine to five. And if you're lucky, you might have a chance to watch it like an episode of your favorite show at the end of the day when you're done right. feeding your kids and feeding the dog and doing this and doing that. I get paid to do this. Mm, so it's yes. not fair for you to compare my ability to watch something with your ability to be able to watch something. Okay. But I do think that Halle Berry had a choice to do that role. Sure. And you know, she could have taken that does everything. No, my point is she could have taken millions of dollars for something non action. Yeah, yeah, we saw Catwoman. Not (laughs) not, uh, yeah. But non training. I mean, but my my point is she actively said, Yes, I want to do six months of of gun training and like all that all that stuff. My point is but she's that sounds probably, awesome. Like that doesn't but, sound like something you should get pat on the bat for or pat on the back for. It's a lot of work. I actually don't. I don't think people realize how much work those films are. I don't think Keanu Reeves works his ass off to oh, make those sure. movies. Like yeah. and I, and I, my my point is is that Halle Berry is Halle Berry. She could have been like, oh, I'll take five million and just go off and do this rom com or I'll do this drama or whatever. She's like, you know sure. what? Screw it. I'm in my fifties. I'm gonna do this Chad Stelhesky film. I'm gonna work my ass off and make an awesome action film. I yeah. do think that there is a level of respect that needs to be given to her. Yeah, and I'm for not. That. I'm not. And Keanu Reeves trying to, to deny her of that, but I'm also with Sean that like she's being paid extensively to have what many of us would consider a to be lot, a ton of fun, a lot, a lot of money, a ton yeah, of fun. But I mean, and, like, and, I, but I also want to give her credit personally because she's also an incredibly nice person. And at the John Wick Three junket, she had almost quite literally no voice whatsoever. Yep. And most you know, most actors oh, sneeze right. and use it as a as an opportunity to get out of doing <laughs> yes. press. And she showed up and yeah. spoke and didn't cut anyone's time and spoke to everyone despite like having to kind of talk right. like this. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I think I think you're, like you're a champ. You're a champ. Another, another reason she could have been right. like, I'm out. All right, Damien McDowell. Uh, I'm sorry, Damien McDonald. And you can call me Joker. Uh, chose Cloud Atlas. Hot damn. Hassani went with Things We Lost in the Fire and Cloud Atlas. Hot uh, damn. <laughs> Michael Breen says uh, her role as Storm in the X Men franchise and Cloud Atlas. Hot damn. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. Uh, Indy Christina said her first pick is John Wick 3, but she wants to show her love so to her second favorite, BAPS, Black American Princesses, and says, quote, risky role that was such a departure from anything else she had done prior. Funny 90s classic. Uh, and that reminds me that Holly Berry actually tweeted something recently where she was like, can everybody let me know the first role that you remember seeing me in? I'm curious about something. And a lot of people said, I said Jungle Fever. I actually answered her and said Jungle Fever. Um, A lot of people were saying. Mine was Swordfish. Was it Swordfish? I I feel like I I knew her way before Swordfish. No, because Swordfish is the first movie. The only reason that movie comes to mind is because it was such a big deal when it came out. And I was also younger. I'm trying to remember what's the first. That was a great 90s action. Like it's such a 90s action movie. 
Like, oh, when love, they do an homage the whole dog to Dog Day, day Afternoon. afternoon. Yeah. Oh, my God. That movie is her, oh, awesome. Bullworth. Uh, Executive uh, la- Decision. Exa- Flintstones. Flintstones. Last Boy Scout is what a lot of people were answering. Oh, she was wow. she was uh, in Last Boy Scout. Anyway, I'm at Flintstones. Berry, Flintstones is it for me. We who who was she in the Flintstones? Miss Stone. I she was like the she was the secretary. Miss Stone. No, she wasn't. Executive she was Decision Stone. was awesome, but I didn't she, know who she was when I saw Executive Decision. All I remember in that movie was the scene when the two planes combine and they yeah. and they have to shift people in midair. Executive yeah, Decision, awesome yeah. movie. That's really great. Carlos right, uh, style. For next week, uh, you're going to be playing hashtag Wesley Snipes blend. Get your Wesley Snipes pick. Put your I, ice I skates on. Oh. I love that oh. he's taking a more comedic direction with his career because I think Wait. he is hilarious. Was your ice skate line just now a Blade reference? It was, of course. Oh yes. my god! Put that your ice skates line, on. Some mother effers are always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> One of the greatest. <laughs> Oh, how about when Chris Christopherson breaks into that explosion? He goes, catch you effers at a bad time. And he's like just like blowing <laughs> everyone away. That uh, movie's amazing. Uh, I got my choice and I'll save it till next week. Make sure you share yours on social media at hashtag Wesley Snipes Blend or you can email us at realblend at cinemablend.com. And that's where you can also leave us a review. This week's review comes from the silent Cody. And his uh, subject line, his or hers, I'm sorry, says woof, woof, arf. All right, there's a theme going on here. Uh, Daenerys is a good girl. She's the goodest girl. When someone comes on for an interview, they expect a cameo from the queen. Her zoomies are legendary as she works hard for all of us. She is the paladin of happiness and sends love throughout the podcast realm. Oh, and I guess her humans are okay too. It's a whole review. That's that's the best review we've ever gotten. Pretty beautiful. And, and, and she thanks you for as she is sitting on the couch, people watching out the window. She thank thanks you, you for that. For sending that over to us, Silent Cody. Uh next week's well done. Thank you, our Silent next Cody. premium episode, I'm sorry, as we mentioned, is the two movie challenge. Uh we're gonna be doing actors this time. Uh you can get access to all of our our complete archive of Real Blend premium e- uh, episodes by going to bit dot ly backslash real blend premium and signing up for the five dollar fee uh we'll be back next week where we're going to be doing a full breakdown to the golden globes and see how all of that plays out and where that's putting us as we head into the critics choice awards and then the oscars so in the meantime follow us on social media at jake's takes at kevin mccarthy tv and at sean underscore o'connell and we'll be back next week uh with wesley snipes blend and a few other fun guests Wait. and news kev what well, i'm sorry kev what are the globes this weekend yeah sunday, sunday. I had totally sneaking no up on all idea. of us. I know. I had we had a, no idea. Come on, weekend. music. We had a meeting um, at at work yesterday, and it was like, what? who can be around on Sunday for the Globes? And I was like, for the who now? For the, the what? I'm sorry, the what? The what? <laughs> that's so crazy. I had no idea the Globes were this yes. weekend. That is well, that's so what real is here for, Kev. Sean's like, can you be more specific? And they're like, the Golden Globes. <laughs> Wait a minute, Amy which, Poehler which and Tina Fey are hosting, right? <laughs> they yeah, are from, hosting. from different, from different yes. coasts. Oh, they are. Yeah, one's one's going to be in New York, and one's going to be well. I think one's going to be at the Beverly Hilton, and one's going to be uh, in in the, in the Rainbow Room. I want to put this out in the universe. Ooh, Barb and Star should host the Oscars. <laughs> oh, that would be really. Funny. I, I saw I saw a story, and now we're getting into stories. But at the end, of the, that like it's not Barb and Star is not going to be eligible for awards because um, it came out. Some, I don't know. I don't. We can't get it to. We got to go. Until next time. Until next time. You guys will see the show. Seagull on a tire. Can you hear my prayer?
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today.